Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of Newt's World, a day doesn't go by without energy in the headlines. From banning gas stoves to prices at the pump to threats to the world's energy supplies, energy is front and center. In his new book, Game Changer, our 50-year mission to secure America's energy independence, Harold Hamm tells the story of his personal 50-year journey battling conventional wisdom and in the process, helping restore America as an energy superpower. How did he do it? With horizontal drilling. What Ham did was game-changing for our country and for the world. Here to talk why American energy independence is the most important policy to guarantee our long-term economic and national security, and about his new book. I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Harold Ham. He founded Continental Resources in 1967 and currently serves as executive chairman. Harold, welcome, and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here with you. I really appreciate you inviting me on. You are sort of a personification of the American dream. You were the 13th child of an Oklahoma sharecropper. Let's just start with that. I mean, what was it like to be the 13th child? Well, I always consider myself lucky 13. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of lucky to be here when you think about it. They could have quit at 12, you know. That's right. Your mother might have thought that was a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she did. But your dad was a tenant farmer, and you actually worked with them pulling cotton and trying to help earn a living for the whole family. We considered our family as a unit, and everybody worked for the unit whether pulling cotton or taking care of chores, milking cows, all the things on the farm, take care of all the animals, from pigs to chickens to you name it, horses, we had it all. It was a good existence. I mean, is it really true that at five years old you were picking up cotton? Oh, yeah, picking bowls. Initially, just stack it up in the middle of the row, 
my dad or mom to pick up as they pull cotton by it. Then finally, I had my own gunny sack. <laughs> that was a sign you were sort of graduating to the next level. Yeah, yeah. I understand you were getting paid two cents a pound. Yeah, that's why we got paid for pulling bowls. That's amazing. How did the school year work if you're spending a good bit of the fall actually out helping support your family? Well, it was kind of recognized back then that farm kids had to take care of the fall crops, and we didn't start school like normal kids do in first September. We pulled bowls until either snow came <laughs> or Christmas. Either one, we quit at that point. So when you went to school, weren't you kind of playing catch-up every year? Oh, yeah, I mean, we was far behind. We know where we was at there for a little bit. But, you know, we worked hard and made sure we caught up and got our grades right and went on to the next level. And did you like learning? Oh, I love learning. You know, education is everything. I credit education as to what got me out of the poverty cycle. Our family, I didn't know at the time I was growing up, we didn't have anything. We didn't have energy for a long time, you know, and we had kerosene lamps at, at our farm. So somebody said to me one time that they didn't have any money, but they didn't know they were poor. Oh, that's exactly it. <laughs> Life went on and you did the best you could. Yeah, and we had a good time doing it. We enjoyed it. How did you migrate from cotton to oil? We always worked, and so I got a chance to work during high school and go to high school. And in Enid, you could go to the distributive edge class, and you got credit for working as well. So I did that, and so I got out an hour or two extra a day, and I took a job in Enid, Oklahoma, and going from southern Oklahoma off of a farm to northwestern Oklahoma, it was totally different as around a whole lot of different people. That's home of Champlin Petroleum Company, a large company. It was also right in the center of the Sooner Trend oil boom when Northeast Indian Field was being grilled. And I was cast in around a whole lot of people that was totally different than anybody I'd been around. And that's the oil and gas people that's working the field up there. And so I was amazed that this type of people, they're a little, little bit bigger in life, charismatic, generous. And so suddenly I want to know more about them. So you have a totally different culture in a sense. When you go from the farming culture and cotton to the dynamics and the excitement of the oil industry, I mean, it's really a very different world. It was. It was totally different. And I'd never been around anything like it. And you know, it was new and exciting and, like I say, dynamic. And so I wanted to know about them. And so I had a chance to do some research and study. To had to write a thesis in my distributive ed class for Mr. Ridge. And so I picked the petroleum industry and wrote a thesis. And by the time I was done, I was totally fascinated about the petroleum industry. And from there on, I wanted to be a part of it. So... When you decide to be part of it, you actually start a company. I mean, it's kind of interesting that you're out there from day one being an entrepreneur. Out of high school, I couldn't go to college. I couldn't afford it. I wanted to go in the oil patch, so I went to work for a contractor, and I worked for him a couple of years, and then I worked for Champlin for a short while. 
had a chance to go into business for myself, so I took the leap. And it was quite a leap leaving Champlin and going out into the, the oil patch as a service company. But anyway, that's what I want to do. I miss the freedom of the field of being out among the people. And so that's exactly what I wanted to do. And that's the direction I went. Big risk, realized it at the time, but it made me happy. I was glad to do it. You actually literally started as a one-truck operation? I did. I took payments over on a truck. This guy was buying on payments and took payments over on his truck. And it started out and, and lucky again, had enough friends and associates that I made it. It started out with one small bobtail truck and pursued built it into a very large trucking enterprise. So what are you doing with the truck? Since I'm not an oil guy, I'm really curious. Here you are at the beginning of your career. You got one truck. And what are you doing? <laughs> well, doing all the dirty grunt work, cleaning out the oil field stock tanks, you talked about the greasiest grime. You're starting at the bottom. Certainly, that's where I started out. Only one direction to go from there, and that's up. So anyway, but it got me out there where I could begin to learn about the industry that I want to know all about and more about. And so there was a lot of people that mentored to me and had started teaching me about what I need to know to basically do what I've done become an explorationist. That's what I really want to do. I want to become an explorationist, find oil and gas in my own right. And so that's just how I could start. And so I knew what I had to do and moved up from there. I established this company in 1967, which only a year or two after I began the trucking operation. And then about five years later, I had an opportunity that a prospect opportunity to drill my first wells and then drill some wildcats after that. And lucky again, that hit and was kind of off to the races, so we'll say. But there's been a lot of time between that first well and today in establishing continental resources and the type of company that we are today, one of the top 10 producers in the U.S. So you're running in parallel the trucking business and the oil exploration business. They're both going forward. They were both going forward. I took on a partner in the trucking business, and Les Phillips came in with me, and God worked with the champion earlier. And anyway, he's a great man. And we built a trucking company into one of the largest oil field fluid services in Oklahoma. Then we built up a lot of other service companies as well, a trend drilling company was one of those. And so that actually gave me the hands-on iron knowledge that I needed basically to do what we did in creating horizontal drilling that pioneered this new phase of the industry and this new era of the industry, which brought on that one thing, horizontal drilling created the energy renaissance in America. Before we get to that, I want to stick with your biography just for a second, because I think it's very telling emotionally that your first exploration and production company is called the Shelley Dean Oil Company. <laughs> yeah. Why was it Shelley Dean? Well, I had two children. Dina was the oldest, but it didn't sound very good, Dina Shelley. 
So he just swapped it around, Shelly Dean. That was the name of her two kids that we put on the oil company, and that was the beginning, that same company that Continental Resources is today. But it also sort of captures a little bit of the spirit of the oil field and that you get to do what you want to do. You're your own entrepreneur. It's your own company. And Now, when you drilled your first well, did it come through or was it dry? It came through. We had bought some wells from Getty Oil Company. It was on a prospect area that I had a geologic concept in mind, and it worked. It's a 6,000-foot deep Oswego prospect in northwest Oklahoma near McWillie, Oklahoma. And anyway, that worked. And the second well, we stepped out five miles from production anywhere, call them Wildcat because doesn't have anything around it, but it proved the concept of this lineal prostage trend that basically ran along the edge of the Enid Abayment, as we'll call it in ancient times, ran for about 75 miles. So this was a big step out proved it up. It contained a lot of oil and gas, and it still produces some today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in Legacy Precious Metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, They're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich contract with America Coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when, against all odds, we balanced the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history. And now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, it's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hi, this is Newt. In my new book, March the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution, I offer strategies and insights for everyday citizens and for seasoned politicians. It's both a guide for political success and for winning back the majority in 2024. March the Majority outlines the 16-year campaign to write the contract with America, explains how we elected the first Republican House majority in 40 years, and how we worked with President Bill Clinton to pass major reforms, including four consecutive balanced budgets. March to the Majority tells the behind-the-scenes story of how we got it done. Go to Gingrich360.com book and order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com book. After seven years of being in that business, the exploration and production business, just before you're 30 years old, you decide to go to Phillips University. I mean, so you're going back for education while you're already a success. Yeah, that just went about it backwards. You go out and make a fortune and go to college. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. What was it like to be in a classroom with a bunch of kids who are just starting out and you're already a successful businessman? Yeah, good question. It was strange times. This was, had an Iranian professor, Alan Baharlu. And anyway, we had a lot of young kids over here from Iran that basically come in. That's when the Shah was still in power. And they were taking geology right alongside me. But I had known that I just knew enough to be dangerous as a geologist. I knew I'd had to get the fundamentals. I had to know the basics. And anyway, Alan Baharlu, Phillips University had had a long history of having a very good, sound geologic department. And anyway, he ran the department. It was great to have him as an instructor. And anyway, all these young kids, they were sharp. They hadn't left high school for 10 years as I had. I had to get back in the groove, learn good study habits again. It was tough for me to catch up with them. I learned so much from Alan in that department, all the other professors there. It's a great education, and I certainly need that background. I left a little bit earlier than I wanted to, but I had to get back to run those companies. You go to school. When do you figure out horizontal drilling? It was a long while. I got out of school and got back to what I did, run those companies. The drilling company was picking up, leading up to the boom of 1981, 82. So I was really busy in it. The trucking company was growing. And then we were doing some neat things with our oil and gas company as well. But in the late 70s, early 80s, with the drilling company, particularly we were drilling a lot of highly deviated directional wells underneath cities. And we got to be a pretty good contractor. Anyway, underneath Oklahoma City, Chickasha, Oklahoma, we drilled 16 wells to the IMO gas cap field under Enid, Oklahoma. I was drilling under the post office, <laughs> you know, Government Springs Park, you know, all these locations from four pads within the city of Enid. And anyway, it gave us a lot of directional experience. And we also learned that we could kick off the bed and put it where we wanted to pretty well. I got more accurate in doing that. I described that in my book as being clunky. 
you know, the expertise, the technology that we had back then. And it certainly was. But it got us started, and we figured out we could do some of this stuff. We also drilled a horizontal well in West Oklahoma in Cleveland sand, and that seemed to work. So it gave us some confidence, and we drilled a gas storage injection well up here for One Oak as a drilling contractor. And instead of like a normal well, you could inject so much gas into this gas storage field. With this horizontal well, you could inject five times the amount of gas in that gas storage. And I thought, well, if you can do that with injection wells, what will production do? And so we started looking for application for using it in a field. And so one of the first fields we found was Cedar Hills Field in North Dakota. And this was a rock that had a lot of porosity, no permeability. Vertical wells wouldn't work in it. This thing was about 9,000 feet deep. Anyway, I thought horizontals would work in it. We got the bright idea to lease it up and go drill it. At one point, I thought, wow, we're kind of in trouble. I had a lot of other people up there that had ownership in that same field. And when we would approach them on drilling this thing, they all bailed. So we and one other company, it was only companies that ever drill wells, horizontal wells in the field. And the field was completely developed with just horizontal wells. It turned out to be a 250 million barrel recoverable field. It was super for us. And it was super for the other company that participated. Anyway, it was the first ever horizontal oil field. And there was no stimulation of those laterals. Just the wellbore lateral in this rock was enough to make it commercially productive and enough to drain the field. You start with these directed wells that go under buildings, and you can draw thousands of feet, right? Yeah, we could kick it off half a mile or something. I was looking at the Alaska fields at one point, and the technology's evolved so much, you can put a pad in and cover a huge amount of area without having to disrupt most of the area. Yes, it's advanced greatly since then. Today, we go down two miles, turn right, and go three to four miles further. That's amazing. Now, you go down, and somehow you send a signal, and it turns. How does that happen? There's a lot of technology out there today. You know, we have mud motors and a lot of things today that we didn't have back then. So you don't always have to turn a drill string. With pump pressure, you can just turn the bit. And we have directional equipment that actually give us a pulse back through the mud string to let us know where we're at directionally. So when you're out there on location today, within the doghouse or central location where all the directional work going on, it looks like NASA at work <laughs> with all these fellas directing where you're going, how you're going. So we can drill over here and hit your tack at four miles. And so when you're doing that, are you hitting a pocket of gas that then is drained out through the system? A lot of these zones contain different things, you know, like the Bakken, it was primarily oil. In gas fields like the Marcellus, you're in a gas reservoir. But with a mud column, you're not getting anything back to surface while you're drilling. You know, once you're done, once a well's cased and all that, 
through multi-stage completions, you bring the well on. And some of these wells, of course, tremendous. Is it the pressure that's so deep that the pressure is then pushing up the oil by itself just because of the sheer pressure that exists at that depth? Yes, we have bottom hole pressure, we call it. And once the mud's out of the hole and everything, overburden is relieved and, you know, it can come to surface. You make a point about your book, Game Changer, that it is both a personal book and a political book. Can you explain how the two weave together? It is. Both stories come out here through the book, and it wasn't really supposed to be all about me, but it had to be about me. It had to give the reader credibility that I'd earned a right to be there and also explain what we'd done, how it had been done. So both those things were necessary. So it talks about my life some, and it talks about the technology evolution to get us where we're at, and also the results of what we have now. You mentioned it earlier, energy independence, national security. We see the importance of that today. And really, it means even more than that. Newt, it really means world peace. When you think about it, having energy security for America and the ability basically to move much of the product that we have to our allies. And in rare situations like we have now with Russia invading Ukraine, Russia cutting off supplies to Europe, the ability to move LNG to Europe, basically it would have been real cold last winter had it not been for those tremendous amount of supplies that went to our allies in Europe. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in Legacy Precious Metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, they're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich contract with America Coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when, against all odds, we balanced the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history. And now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, it's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866-484-4043. That's 
484-4043 or order online at newtgingrichsilvercoin.com. That's newtgingrichsilvercoin.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You make a point that there's something like 10 million jobs that evolve around the oil and gas industry. So, I mean, it's a major piece of the American economy. Oh, it is. It does drive the American economy, and you feel it. When you slow it down, like has been done, you know, with the Biden administration, suddenly the economy suffers as a result of it. And we've seen that happen, and it's not good. Inflation streams upward when fuel supplies dwindle and price goes up. I had to force to drain the strategic petroleum reserve just to keep price of fuel down. <laughs> All those things aren't good. It drives the economy, and certainly we're affected by federal policy. One of the points you make is that you actually helped lead the effort to end the ban on exporting oil. That's really important psychologically because it grew out of a period when we were just profoundly wrong about the whole idea of peak oil and we weren't going to have any more and we had to have a policy of scarcity. And your development of horizontal drilling suddenly destroyed the whole concept of peak energy. It's pretty easy to explain. We've seen the real foibles on both sides of the aisle, both Republican and Democrat. Going back to the Nixon era, if you will, huge foible. He wanted to act like it was an era of scarcity. For instance, putting oil under price controls, when it went from $3.75 a barrel to $4, he puts it under price controls. Well, we all know how that turned out. It's a total disaster. You know, you limit supplies, and it just gets worse. So we go into the Carter administration, and yeah, we had a real crisis going on. But artificial controls on anything doesn't work, and so they kept continuing the air of scarcity and then compounded it with another real foible when they passed the Fuel Use Act of 1977 that prohibited the use of clean-burning natural gas and boiler fuels for power generation and mandated 100% use of coal. Now, you think about that today. <laughs> How bad was that? It's funny to me how one generation of liberals think they know everything and want to impose their values, and then a generation later, a new set of liberals think the old set of liberals were totally wrong. They now want to reverse whatever it was they've already told us we had to do. But they say it with the same level of absolute conviction that they know what they're doing and we don't. Absolutely, yeah. You can't turn around. Yeah, Joe Biden was young senator from Delaware when that was done. He helped craft that bill in 1977 and vote for it. And the thing stayed around 10 years till Ronald Reagan finally deregulated it, got rid of it. 
and it caused acid rain and everything else. It was not a good thing. So what is the current Biden administration doing that is weakening our ability to achieve energy independence and to lower the cost of oil and gas? Yeah, well, in order to appease his constituents on the left, he thought it was necessary. Basically, he was going to do away with fossil fuels. I mean, that's his whole thesis. So take America off fossil fuels. So I don't know how he thought he was going to do that. It hadn't proven out very well. First thing he did was limit, and it did this by executive order almost the day he went in office, was basically stop leasing and permitting on federal lands. So he took off 26% of the land mass and 35% of the productive capacity of the U.S. with that one executive order. And immediately went from an air of abundance again to an air of scarcity again. And what happened? The price of oil went up, fuel went up, and inflation went up. We make more money as oil and gas people because he forced price oil up. Anyway, it wasn't the right thing to do, but they're sticking with it. <laughs> Drained SPR. That's a wartime reserve chest, if you will. Drained that. Done several other things with policy that trying to harm the industry that continue to do that. So a lot of different things, regulatory moves and just continued the foible. But that's the importance of this book, talking about, you know, there's a solution here. We need to be smart about what we're doing, and we need sound energy policy and one administration to the other. And we've got to get back to that. With a new president, how long do you think it would take to turn around the system? Well, first of all, he could turn that around day one. He just gets rid of that executive order same way it's put on. He just takes it off. So that could happen day one. And, you know, you could set the economy free, if you will, and let it go back to normal. So that could happen day one. So it could happen very quickly. Some of these other regulations take a little longer to take care of them that they're imposing. Some of them are being contested in courts and other places to get rid of those hurdles. But within three, four years, you could do a lot to turn around. And that would both create American jobs and substantially improve our national security. Oh, absolutely. It'd do both. Get back to where you certainly know that you're going to be energy independent going forward. We're not going to be looking at being dependent on someone else. And it's real strange to me, this dependency is really, really a bad thing when you look at it. Being dependent on OPEC, for instance, once we got out of the way of that, then you could let a lot of good things happen. And it would happen, and it has happened. The Abraham Accords, they came about because of energy independence. A lot of it was due to that. We talked about this when we did an event together at the National Press Club and talked about your book. And somebody had asked a question about the environment, and I mentioned in passing that if we actually could replace the Chinese coal-burning plants with natural gas, it would have the biggest single impact on lowering carbon of any single act you could do. Do you think we have enough capacity, if we worked at it, that we have enough reserves, not current capacity, that you actually could replace most of the Chinese 
coal plants with, with liquefied natural gas? We could, and certainly eliminate all the new ones that's coming on. I mean, they put a new one on one week over there. And then also the Chinese contractors are building a whole lot more in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Pakistan, other places over there. So anyway, about 300 of them last year in 2022. We do have a lot of capacity in a form of LNG, clean burning natural gas. We've got about 14 BCF a day that's being exported from the U.S. today. That will be by 2025, ramped up to about 20 BCF a day. I think it could double by 2035. We've identified, in my opinion, as geologists, 100 years additional reserves of natural gas. So it's kind of ubiquitous is what I say. It's kind of everywhere with natural gas. Maybe not quite that easy, but the shale certainly opened the door to a lot of supply. So it could take care of a lot of it. I just think we need to be smart. I call it IQ with the environment. It's the intelligence quota instead of the quotient, instead of the emotional quotient. We need to be smart about what we're doing with the environment going forward. We've done it here in the U.S. We've cleaned up the air back to 1970s level by displacing coal-burning plants with natural gas. Certainly, it could be done across the world in the same fashion. That's not the only thing that's going on in the environment. I understand that, the climate, but, you know, that's a big part of it. Well, you make the point in your book that China has increased their emissions by 26% between 2010 and 2019, and we had actually dropped by 11% in the same period. So we're actually more than meeting our challenges While the Chinese pretend to be concerned about the environment, they're clearly much more concerned about their economy. Absolutely. They're using coal abundant, and like I said, going up 26%, we're dropping ours by 11 in the same period. The adverse of where they need to be heading, what they need to be doing. India is much the same. The Paris Agreement, by leaving them out as third world nations, I guess the way they put it, That was such a disservice. That's such a bad thing. We're a small part of the whole globe. (laughs) Let me mention one other thing, Harold, because I've known you for years. And you're an entrepreneur. You have an immense amount of science. You're a patriot. You've been remarkably successful. But also, you've given very generously, including millions to the University of Oklahoma's Harold Hamm Diabetes Center, an institute of American energy in partnership with the Oklahoma State University. I just want to commend you for being the kind of person who exemplifies why historically in America, people who do well have a really high track record of giving back and of trying to improve their communities. And you certainly personally exemplify that. Thank you. That's one reason you know, I got in this industry. I found that all oil gas people very generous. Back to one giving pledge with Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, one of the first to join them. That pledge is to give away half your wealth over your lifetime. And so I've been working to do that. And then within three different areas, education, that's a big one. You mentioned that. Healthcare, certainly that's a big one. And another one is energy advocacy. 
setting the record straight. And this book does that. A lot of people didn't even understand what happened with the resurgence of energy in America and how we tripled the production of natural gas and crude oil and natural gas liquids, the whole thing here in America. One thing, that's horizontal drilling. And that allowed us to have access to the shales, the source beds themselves, and develop those. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us that are lucky, (laughs) that have wealth, to give back. And I want to do my share. Harold, I want to thank you for joining me. It's been a fascinating conversation. And your new book, Game Changer, Our 50-Year Mission to Secure America's Energy Independence, is available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. And we're certainly going to list it on our show page. So thank you very much for taking the time to share with us. Well, Newt, it's always good to be with you. You're such a wonderful person. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, buy the book. (laughs) That's important. And, you know, get the word out. Tell your friends. (laughs) Good to be with you. Thank you to my guest, Harold Hamm. You can get a link to buy his new book, Game Changer, our 50-year mission to secure America's energy independence, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. If you've been enjoying Newtsworld, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, 
taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.